Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this installment of Impact Cyber Church, where you get to go to church with the whole world. Well, not really the whole world, but people all over the world right now are going to church with you. Many of them have eye groups where People come together in homes. Many churches use this for midweek or Sunday night services. People use this for home groups and for instruction. Man, I want to welcome all of you, and I want to thank you so much for multiplying this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, all across the world, all across America. Listen, today we're still talking about paradigms, perspectives, and the glory of God. And we want to talk about how this aspect of paradigms fits into relationships. This is February. We're going to be talking about relationships. So today we're going to be talking about revelation knowledge for relationships. You want to get some revelation knowledge so you know how to solve your relationship problems? Then come right back. I'm going to show you exactly how it's done. I've got a great free download for you this month. The attitude that always will. All you've got to do to get this free message is click right there on the right-hand top side of your screen, and you can get it right now in your inbox. Like I said, we're going to be talking about paradigms, perspectives, and the glory of God and how that fits into and how that affects your relationships. I'm telling you something, it affects your relationships far more than you could ever imagine. But I want to say this before we dive into the material. You know, because of the volume of biblical information and truth that I have to share with you, I always share some things in these cyber church messages that are not in the series, and I always share some things in the series that are not in these cyber church messages, because I want to give you as much as, as you can get. I, I don't want you to watch these broadcasts and then order the series and just get a rehash of what you've heard during the cyber church message. So what I'm going to be sharing with you is some of it, we touch on it in this series, but as it goes toward relationships, you'll always have this as something you come back and look at and supplement what you're getting out of the series. It's really like getting four or five free extra messages with a series. So like I said, we're starting to direct this concept toward relationships. Now, a paradigm, remember a paradigm is kind of a worldview or a model or an idea that we have of how we think things should be. And so once in our mind, we have a concept of how we think something is supposed to be. What's interesting is that it agitates us or makes us angry or makes us disappointed with people when it's not as we think it should be. You know, I can't tell you how much back in the 80s and, and 90s, because you always, you always see this in marriage. Every time somebody comes in for marriage counseling, their marriage is about to blow up. One of the stories you always hear is, I married this person. I thought I knew who they were. And then one day, it's like I woke up, I opened my eyes, and I looked over and said, who is this person that I married? Now, it's absolutely true that people will deceive you. You know, I always, always try to teach my daughters, you don't know who anybody really is until you have known them for about a year non-romantically. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. Anybody can fake it for a year if they want to catch you. Anybody can try to be the person that they think you want them to be for about a year. But after about a year, that starts kind of wearing thin and you'll find out who you've really gotten. So absolutely, yes, sometimes you marry people and they were just deceitful. They wore a mask. You didn't know who they were. That's a different kind of problem that you have to solve a different kind of way. But the reality of it is, most of the time, when you look at that person and you say, I don't even know who this person is, it is not because that person deceived you, it's because you deceived yourself. You see, we go into relationships, we go into jobs, we join churches, we make friends, and we have a paradigm of what it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like. If you're the guy, you got this idea, you got this model of what a wife is supposed to be. And maybe usually it's whatever your mother was. If you're a woman, you got an idea of what a husband is supposed to be. Maybe it's what your father was. But wherever we get these ideas, we go into this. This is who you're supposed to be. If you're going to be my husband, if you're going to be my wife, if you're going to be my boyfriend, if you're going to be my girlfriend. Now, if we really like that person and we're really attracted to that person, then we subconsciously, we look for subtleties in their lifestyle and their behavior to convince ourselves that they really look like this person that we want. And it's amazing how much people can deceive themselves. It's amazing how people, you know, there have been times that, you know, I've done premarital counseling. And uh, honestly, at, at some point in time, I would just have to say, you know, this person that you're describing to me that you're going to marry I've never met this person. And if you think that's who you're marrying, you guys are nowhere close to getting married because you are imposing on this person your idea of what you think they should be. But whether you have deceived yourself or whether they've deceived you, at some point we start realizing, oh, wait a minute, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Now, I want to tell you something. Usually the first stages of conflict in marriage and then they recur around your finances, around your sex life, around the roles that people play in the family. And then when you start having kids, what people expect of you as a mother or what people expect of you as a father. Most of the conflict that we have initially in marriage and most of what sets our marriages off in a really destructive course has nothing to do with reality. It has to do with the fact that we had this idea of what you're supposed to be, what your spouse is supposed to be. And they may have never agreed to that. They may have never committed to that. But in your mind, the fact that they married you meant that they were agreeing to be what you expected them to be. And the truth is, most of the conflict you have is because they're not living up to your expectations. So when you understand that that is the real problem. When you understand that what I'm really angry with you about is not that you have disappointed or broken any promise you made to me. You have broken my interpretation of the promise. You've broken my model of what in my mind it takes to have a great marriage. I'm trying to force you into what I think you ought to be instead of letting you be who you want to be in Jesus. And that's usually the beginning of the dissatisfaction. Really, that's the beginning of the divorce. And I'm telling you what, it happens. A lot of divorces start within a week or two of getting married. A lot of divorces start on the wedding night. Now listen, when we seek to understand the problems in our marriage, 
the problem is when we're legitimately trying to understand it, we are still viewing those problems from our perspective. And our perspective, the way we see something, is coming from behind a veil, if you will. And that veil is our paradigm. It's our model. It's our opinion of how things ought to be. Now, I want to tell you something. When you have a paradigm, a strong opinion, belief about how things ought to be, I got news for you. You're not going to break through this with just sheer willpower. You're either going to connect to God, and in most cases, you are going to have to have a revelation. You've got to have revelation knowledge to break free from your paradigm of relationships or your paradigm of business or your paradigm of church or whatever it is. Now, we've talked about this before, so there's a little bit of review here. Revelation knowledge. You know, really, a revelation is an unveiling. It's where we finally get to see something without having a veil, you know, in front of our eyes. We get to see something clearly and open so that we can understand exactly how it is seen from God's view, from God's opinion, from how God's word defines it. Now, it's interesting because, see, our paradigm is an establishment of how we think it ought to be. And what we're trying to impose on other people, I'm trying to impose on you what kind of wife I think you ought to be. Well, it's really interesting because the word righteousness, it has a lot of different connotations to its meanings, but one of the basic concepts of righteousness is as it ought to be from God's perspective. So when we are trying to make people become what we think they ought to be, the real truth is we are rejecting the righteousness of God. We are saying I don't want you to be like you ought to be according to God's word, according to God's view and opinion. I want you to be what you ought to be from my opinion. I'm going to tell you something. There are few things that are as devastating, as demonic in nature, as anti-God, as trying to control and make someone become the person that you want them to be. You are usurping the lordship of Jesus in their life. But you know, you're scared to death. You think, well, if they don't become the person I want them to be, how am I ever going to be happy in this marriage? Well, you know what? God's got a view. God's got an opinion. And when things work from his view and opinion, trust me, Everybody can be happy in that situation. But I want you to understand, in any chronic circumstance or situation, in other words, something that's just ongoing, we are going to need a revelation to solve the problem. And so I want you to understand how revelation in relationships is going to break you out of the mold that you've locked yourself into. Listen, I'll be right back. Do not go away. You want to get what I'm going to say first thing when we come back. My new series, Paradigms, Perspective, and the Glory of God, is designed to do just what it sounds like. I want you to see, to perceive, and to experience the glory of God, the reality of God, the splendor of God, the greatness of God, the power of God in every single area of your life. And I want to tell you something. When you can see God's reality, you can believe God's reality. And when you believe God's reality, you will experience it in every part of your life. You definitely want this series. You, know, you don't see this and understand this from the King James Version of the Bible, but the Bible really shows us that when we can't see things as they are, our mind has become like concrete. In other words, it is not pliable. 
And there's the whole concept of with concrete, if I try to make it mobile or pliable, I'm going to break it to pieces. Well, that's exactly what happens when you get a revelation. A revelation, an unveiling, a seeing something from God's perspective, I want to tell you something. It is going to shatter your opinion. It's going to shatter your point of view. But you go into that situation choosing, God, I want you to shatter my point of view if it's different from you. I want you to break this concrete mind that I've got. I want to see things as they are from God's perspective because I don't want my righteousness to be imposed on somebody else. I want the righteousness of God to emerge from the hearts of people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14, very prominent scripture. It's talking about these people who, because of the way they related to the law, they couldn't really see what really the Spirit of God was revealing in the commandments. Because remember, the scripture that the early church read was the Old Testament. They're really, in a certain sense, there is no such thing as the New Testament. Now, the New Testament was the teachings of Jesus. I'm glad we have them, you know, believe in them. But all of that was something that was produced, you know, by the apostles uh, where they were writing the historical events of Jesus' life, but then all of their letters that they were written, the epistles to the different churches, was them showing how to apply Jesus' interpretation of the commandments to current church government, church functioning, this sort of thing. And so Paul is saying there's a problem because, see, some people cannot see what all of the commandments and what all of the law actually was trying to reveal. And because of that, they turned it into legalism. They turned it into something that God never, ever, ever intended for it to be. And it says in verse 14, it says, but their minds were blinded. Now, that word blinded comes from a word that means petrified. And that's why I say, you know, something that has become petrified has become like stone. And it's saying that our mind can become like stone or like concrete, where it is totally inflexible. But it says, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now, the veil being taken away in Christ doesn't mean that that is a rejection of everything that God has ever said. I always have to say this because people confuse this. It means that in Christ, the veil of how to understand everything that God ever said in the Old Testament, I can now understand it because he gave me the criteria. He gave me the code lock, if you will, to understand all of the Old Testament. And the key thing is, reading the Old Testament, it always has to be interpreted from the perspective of love. Everything that God ever did, He did because He loved people, and there's love in it, even if I can't see it. Everything God tells me to do, He tells me to do it so that I can be expressing love toward other people. And the way He tells me to manage my own life is so that it won't violate my conscience and I can have love and value for myself. It's really not all that complicated. But it says in verse 15, but even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. I want to tell you, these people, by the way, that look at the Old Testament, that read these scriptures and they want to reject them. And they want to say, no, 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 we can't accept that. They've still got a veil over their heart. They're still legalists and don't know it. Now, some of them think that they're in grace. Some of them think, you know, their denomination teaches them that. But the real truth is, if you can't see the freedom in the Old Testament, then there's still a veil over your own heart. Verse 16 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord. Now, this is about turning to Jesus as Lord. This is about turning to Him and surrendering your opinion. This is about taking up His interpretation of everything that God ever said. So it says, when I do this, the veil goes away. When I take up 
his interpretation. Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord as being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Now, there's a statement that I coined years ago. Other people have copied it and, you know, and started using it and that's fine. But uh, as far as I know, I was the first one to make this statement probably way back in the 70s. And it's just a real simple biblical principle. You become what you behold. Whatever your paradigm of God is, you will inwardly transform not to become like Jesus, not to become what Jesus represented, but you will transform to become like the God that you believe in. Now, when you start applying that to marriage, when you start applying that to having relationship, then the problem is if you have a model in your mind of what a husband is supposed to be, you are going to transform effortlessly into that concept. Because remember, as we talked about, and if you haven't seen all the messages in this series, go back and listen to them. There's, there's four previous messages in this, and there's an incredible series that you want to get. And I'm telling you, if you get this series, it's, you're going to have more information that you can put to work, and it's going to have how-to steps. Anyhow, it's just going to benefit you. You want to use this. You want to know how to get past your opinions and your paradigms. So whenever you've got this idea of what you're supposed to be, you're going to transform into it. Well, you become what you behold. But the problem, of course, is when you've got this idea of what your spouse is supposed to be, which is, remember, this is your righteousness. This is not God's righteousness. You're going to try to make them become what you expect them to be. Now, so many of our struggles in this area of relationship, just like all the rest of our struggles, we talked about this scripture a few weeks ago. There's a way that seems right. That word right could just as well have been the word righteous. There's a way that seems righteous, but the end thereof is death. And so we are seeking this way that we think this is how it ought to be. This is the straight way. This is the way that's going to work. And the problem is with our paradigm, we only have one way that we think is right. And there's no flexibility. We can't see it any other way. There's no negotiation. I want to tell you something. God is not an idealist. You know, um, in the book of Ephesians, it says this, Ephesians chapter 3, 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole earth is named, that he would grant unto you the riches of his glory, and that glory, the riches of his view and his opinion, be strengthened with might through the Spirit and inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, interesting question is, and I was talking to a friend of mine just actually just yesterday, we were discussing this, and I've been actually pondering on this. What does this mean? What is the, these dimensions, the width and the depth, the height of the love of God? And, you know, I told him that the ancient Hebrews, they had this saying that said there's 70 faces to the Torah. See, when we look at the Scripture, or when we look at life's application of the Scripture, when we look at, at being a good husband, when we look at, you know, being a good wife, or when we look at, you know, what our spouse should be, basically we impose our paradigm on that. We come up with one way that this is supposed to be, one way that is actually going to be right. Well, the ancient Hebrews, when they read the Scripture, they said, look, there are so many subtle truths in any Scripture that you could get 70 different understandings of this scripture and all of them would be right. 
And I'm not talking about getting your own private interpretation because they understood that there were, there were spiritual concepts, biblical concepts for translating Scripture. But the very last thing you do, no matter how, what you see in a Scripture today, when you're reading it, that may be different from before, the very last concept that you have to reconcile is how does this apply to my life? If I'm putting this in practice, what does it look like in my real life? I'll tell you, that's the number one reason most people today, when they read the Bible, don't get revelation knowledge. They have absolutely no intention of putting it into practice. But understand, in the context of what we're talking about, the Bible tells you a whole lot of things that husbands should be, could be, and should consider being, and should seek, and a lot of things that wives should seek, and a lot of things that we as individuals should seek. Now, and all of those things have to be guided by love. That has to be the ultimate determining factor. Am I doing this because I value what God says? Am I doing this because I'm going to express value for my spouse? And am I doing this so that I can have value for myself? And and so my spouse will have value for me, you know? And because we don't read the Word of God that way, we just try to come up with what's right. And we come up with an opinion out of the Word of God with no intention of applying it to our life. And we come up with one way that's right. And that's all we're interested in now is I'm going to do this the right way and you're going to do it the right way because I'm going to make you unhappy if you don't do this the right way. But see, the problem is that right way is usually just my paradigm. It's just how I see it from my perspective. It's what's been modeled to me. It's based on my opinions. You know, there are hundreds, if not thousands of aspects of what should be working in a person's life, all based on love. But the real question is, is in this relationship, what dimensions of this am I seeing in the Word? What dimension of this am I hearing the Spirit of God speak to me now? Who do I need to be in this relationship right now? And But I'll tell you something, this is where marriage gets so exciting, so wonderful. You get to grow together in Christ, and both of you get to become the person you want to be in Jesus, and you grow together into something that's better than you could have ever gotten through all of your control, domination, force, and imposing your righteousness on that other person. Listen, I'll be back in just a minute with a mentoring moment. I want to walk you through this. I want to walk you through how to make this journey and how to make it work and have a great marriage. Have you ever just felt like you couldn't see the truth? I've had people say that to me so many times. I just can't see it. Well, I'll tell you something. In this new series, Paradigms, Perspectives, and the Glory of God, your eyes are going to open and you're going to discover how to always see what God's Word means and says. You know, Jesus didn't call you to be a Christian. He called you to be a believer. He called you to be a disciple. He called you to be a son. He called you to be an heir. He didn't call you just to be a Christian. I want to tell you something. Everything about Impact Ministries is about making disciples, developing people to know who they are in Jesus, developing people to see Christ as He really is and to understand God through Him. That's why Jesus is Lord. And really, that is the foundation of this whole ministry. No matter what subjects we teach on, it always goes back to who was Jesus, what He say, what did He accomplish, and who are we 
because we are in him. So I want to invite you, be sure and, and watch these broadcasts, share these broadcasts, but I also want to invite you to help me take this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. You see, we are not living in the kingdom if we are not surrendering to the lordship of Jesus. Most of the world has waved their hands at Jesus, but they've never made him Lord. Join me as a world changer. Now listen, what I'm sharing with you today, you can apply this to your marriage, you can apply this to any situation you're in. There's not a place that this is not applicable. You know, anytime I, you get ready to have interaction with somebody, particularly if it's interaction where you're trying to resolve conflicts, one of the real questions you gotta ask is, why am I really doing this? You know, am I doing this just because I wanna have my way? Am I doing this, am I having this discussion to prove that I'm right? Or am I doing this because I think this is the wisest way to produce the desired results for everybody involved? Now, you notice I said everybody involved, not just me. And by the way, you'll go back and listen to this a couple of times and write these down. You know, for years, I would actually, I had a lot of this stuff written on a piece of paper. And before I would have, have a confrontation or a challenging conversation with people, I would ask myself these questions to make sure that I was going toward a biblically-based desired result. So here's something I encourage you to do. You want to have this discussion with your spouse? Sounds okay. What result do I hope to obtain? And so, you know, describe the outcome that you want. Write it down. And then make it deliberately. Give up your opinion. Father, I've got my own ideas about how to get this, but I'm going to walk in love. And I'm going to walk in love based on your word. I'm going to communicate reasonably and rationally. And I'm going to trust you. For the outcome, I'm going to trust you to give me the results that I need and that I desire. And so you've written out your outcome. And, uh, you know, one of the things you want to decide, does it describe the relationship, a relationship of love and mutual respect, or does it simply reflect you winning, you getting what you want, you being what you're right? So many times we tell ourselves we're doing this because it's love. We're telling ourselves we're doing this to save our marriage. We're telling, you know, all these reasons. But at the end of the day, all we really want to do, we want to win by proving that we are right. Now, then get your spouse to write out his or her desired outcome for this conversation. Now you, you have the boundaries. And now you don't get off track and talk about everything else, fuss about everything else. You stick on the things that are going to get these goals. Then you look at the outcomes that you desire, he or she desires, and then you decide, are they compatible? And if not, how do we make them compatible? And there may be some things we have to just kick off the list and just deal with certain things that are compatible. And then you make a list of what you need to do or what you need to bring to the situation to get that outcome. Not what your spouse needs. Let them make their own list of what they need to do. And the amazing thing is, you're going to have love all around you. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.